Welcome to Coping with COVID-19, an editorially independent program from the editors of Modern Aesthetics Magazine and Practical Dermatology Magazine. This episode features doctors Joel Cohen, Doris Day, Steve Diane, Michael Gold, Joel Schlesinger, and Amy Taub. They reflect on the process of reopening their practices and discuss what's next for the aesthetic space. as educators, I think it is important for us to talk about wearing a mask and what it means. And, and it's not a treatment. It's like, I, don't you have patients who come in and they say, I took an MRI, like they had an MRI as if it was a treatment. And people wear a mask as if it's a treatment, as if it's this, this, this shield around them that gives them the ultimate protection instead of other, practicing other safe measures. And so I think understanding and helping people understand or is it asking too much of people to say, if we explain to them why you wear a mask, when you wear a mask, what a mask does, it's, we sort of talked about it in general, but the rules change so much. And Steve talks about it a lot about how, you know, science is evolving, we're learning, we're growing, and it's changing. So it's not being hypocritical by saying one thing one day and another thing the next day. It's that as we understand things, we're going to explain them differently and do things differently because of that. And that's what good science does, is it's adaptable and it asks questions all the time. And as we learn the answers, we say things differently. Absolutely, I think that's a, that's a great point. Um, I think that the education part is, is challenging because we want to educate our patients, but we also want them to, to like us after we educate them. So <laughs> we've had a lot of, uh, of conversations with people who are, uh, oh, this is just uh, you know, some fake news, it's not true, COVID isn't as bad as, as they say, and, and all that, and we're, we're uh, obligated to inform them the, the reality of this situation, which is, of course, that people are dying of COVID, and, and we too could die of COVID, and they too could die of COVID. Mm -hmm. um, what we're doing in our office, and it's worked out fairly well, is that if people just say, I don't wanna wear masks, you just say, well, the only reason we're open right now is that we are complying with our state health laws. Our state health laws say that we have to have people socially distanced and people have to wear masks. And if, you, if we are uh, reported to the state for people not wearing masks by either uh, one of our employees or a person that is in there, that we could lose the ability to see you. So people have understood that pretty well and they've, they've responded to that better than, well, you should wear your mask or it's bad if you don't wear your mask. So it may be a, maybe a, a different way of approaching it. I've, had, I've, asked, I've asked one person to leave in six weeks because they refuse to wear a mask. And so, you know, I'm, you know, and they came in and they put a mask on and as soon as the nurses brought them back, they took it off and we have, we have a hand washing protocol and all this other stuff. And, you know, if they don't want to wear a mask, we, we can't see them just like you, Joel. I mean, we're, our state health department requires, I mean, we have a sign outside our building that says you are now entering a space where masks are required. You know, patients in New York are grateful. They're happy to wear the mask. It's just not a problem here. But you know, Joel, from your meeting, from things Steve have, have said to me in the past, you had that um, the person who did the improv, right? And he he said, um, and Steve, Diane has said, when you when someone talks, I kind of try to listen for what's right and what they say. And so when your patients say, well, COVID isn't as bad as they thought, you know, they're right. It's not as bad as they thought, but it's still killing people. So if 
if there's a way to say, you're right, it's not as bad as we thought, it's not as contagious as we thought, but we also know that it is killing people and we know that these measures can help. This way we acknowledge what's right in what they say and we comfort them because they're anxious. They're afraid that it is as bad as they thought, which is worse than it being not as bad, right? So we try to listen for what's right and find that thread of commonality. I mean, I disagree with people around me so much all the time that I look for what I agree with and what they say and build on that rather than trying to beat them down on what I don't agree with because I'm never going to win or get anywhere. We'll be talking at each other. Let me ask a question. So, Doris, when did you open? I opened on my birthday on June 8th. was my first day opening and that was, I was euphoric. And I was also a little exhausted, frankly. I mean, I saw a third of the usual number of patients and we locked the front door. Patients had to call from the outside and we opened the door for them. We did the screening at the door with the temperature, hand sanitizer had a non-touch dispenser. That then they filled out all their forms ahead of time in a touchless system. We're escorted by the MA right into the room. Um, everything was already filled out. We, uh, they have the mask on. I did have them take the mask off when I did treatments because I need to see their whole face, but they didn't mm-hmm. And um, I kept the mask on the whole time and they paid while they did, while they, while I did the treatments and, um, and we set up, they would give their card. So they would, we did still run the card, um, but we cleaned it before and after and gave them their card back. So it went very smoothly and we, everybody got a goodie bag. So we had the new, new beauty magazines and we had some sample products. So everybody got a gift on the way out because we don't have magazines in the waiting room anymore. We still want them to see new beauty. So we, we gave them that to go. We have plenty of those magazines. Um, and I will say people are doing more in one visit because they're not planning on coming back anytime soon. So I found that the, the visits were very, very full. And there was something about that human contact by physically being in the same room that great, gave great comfort. We couldn't hug, which I really missed. Um, I usually give my patients a kiss when I'm done with the treatments. Um, I did all the cleaning in terms of wiping down the, the face and the areas to be treated, not my MAs, which in the past they would do. I use Lasersin and I sell Lasersin. So a lot of patients would buy it and I sprayed with Lasersin before and after the treatments. And in between every patient, we would thoroughly wipe down the room. So, um, so we had patients spaced out to two an hour um, for the first couple of weeks up until today. And next week, I'll build it up a little bit more, but kept the volume super, super low for safety. And I have much fewer staff. I'm down to only three staff. So we're not crowded in the office with a lot of, um, with a lot of staff. Steve, when did you open? I opened May 18th. And we, a lot of my experiences similar to Doris is we had to close down for the riots for about a week because my building was boarded up, which was kind of a disappointment. But now we're back to being open again. And, um, you know, I, I, we're doing a lot of similar protocols to Doris. I'm using betadine uh, washes in the nose and in the oral pharynx. I'm using betadine washes. We're doing it before and I'm doing it for myself as well. And uh, I think that may be helpful. I think there's enough evidence for me to suggest to do that. We're noticing more and more patients are coming in. I'm also noticing something. I'm wondering if you guys are seeing the same thing. I'm surprised at the amount of interest and the amount of calls and consultations we're doing. And this is more maybe on the surgical side than non-surgical side. But I think there's a lot of people out there who have expendable income and they haven't used their income. And perhaps they're not going on vacation. They're not buying clothes. They're not going out to dinner. They're not getting Starbucks. And they have more downtime. So they want to undergo surgical procedures. These consults have been very efficient that I'm doing virtually. And there's been a new efficiency to the office I didn't have in the past. 
And that's been kind of nice. And I don't, I, I was surprised. I wasn't expecting that. That's good. Joel, when did you open? We opened up on May 4th and uh, it was a soft opening. So we uh, were from May 4th to May 11th. We were just kind of like getting our, our, our folks back and getting everybody uh, up, up to speed because most of the people were working telemedicine from home during that time. So they had to arrange for daycare and, and stuff like that, which was, which was fine. So we have been running really in, in a significant manner uh, since June 1st. Uh, this is the first month that I think that we will really have a, a significant uh, income comparatively. We were down something like 70, 80% during the months of uh, March, April, May. So it, it's now, there is a pent up demand, I think to Steve's point. I think there are a lot of people who were waiting uh, for their Botox injections or, or other services. It's been absolutely crushing to my nursing staff for the past uh, week or two because we are, we are as acute as we've ever been. And they're just, you know, it's difficult to get back in the groove. Yeah. Have you guys lost staff? Did you, did you lose staff, Joel? We did lose uh, two staff. And uh, one of those two staff members, one of which was, I think, just a lot of people had epiphanies during this during this time that you know they're it, they didn't want to live here, they wanted to be with their parents, or they wanted to you know go to Colorado for some reason. And so, yeah, we we lost uh, two staff members, one of which was a new person, which was not a, a you know problem, and then one of whom was uh, further along, but. It's difficult. I think a lot of people are unsettled during this time. Mm -hmm. Did you lose staff, Steve? So I was thinking that same thing. We've had, we've lost, we had quite a bit of turnover and some for the better and some that would surprise me. But I think this is, this is a great opportunity to restructure the way we do things in the practice. Yeah, during the riots, I said, I, I can't deal with this anymore. They didn't want to come downtown and they were, they were like having post-traumatic stress and they wanted to go on to new things. And truthfully, I encouraged it and I supported them and we're finding new people coming in. There's a lot of talent out there. So I don't see it all as negative, and I saw I saw this as an opportunity to do things a little bit differently in the office, which I'm welcoming. And Doris, you lost a couple. Well, you know, they my staff naturally turns over because I hire mostly people who are going to go to PA or uh, med medical school, so it was my natural turnover time. I fired one person because she was just awful, and um, and it, and she needed to go. So, um, so I'm. So between people that naturally leave, I actually have two new people coming on next month for MAs and I'm hiring a new front desk person. So my attrition was to be expected and part of my normal course. Um, I also just want to say I do do the Colgate Optic White mouthwash, which is 2% hydrogen peroxide. So my staff does it every morning and every lunch and we give it in a paper cup to patients. So they kind of drink it, gargle and spit it out into that same cup and then throw it away. And we do the, the povidone, the, the iodine nose swaps too. Um, so I think that is really helpful because from everything I'm reading, it's about controlling viral load. And we control that by cleaning the surfaces where the viral load may be and then controlling the number of people who might be putting viral load into the office. So having less staff has been very helpful that way. So, I mean, we opened on, on May 4th, and you know, I was telling somebody, as Joel said, June's been fine. And you know why it's been fine? I'm seeing less patients, but I'm here every day. 
So, I, you know, it's, it's, you know, the meeting, you know, we're not traveling, so I, I can see less people, but our numbers are fine. And, uh, you know, we'll probably do okay in the month of June. I mean, halfway through and it's pretty good. So, you know, that, that's a good thing. And um, I kept my whole staff. And so we, we, work, we worked every day during the quote unquote quarantine lockdowns, um, everybody but one. And that person was just had a baby. So she wanted to stay home, but she's back. And um, everybody, yeah, I think everybody's got a better understanding uh, of what we need to do and how efficient. And I'm very fortunate. I have three amazing extenders, two PAs and a nurse practitioner and they make sure everybody is following every protocol every That's second. Great. That's awesome. They, they are rock stars for me. And, and even, you know, they're like, Dr. Gold, you know, you, you need to do this. And Dr. Gold, you know, that room's not ready. It's not cleaned yet. And, um, you know, and so they keep me, uh, they keep everything hopping in, in all parts of my office. So that's really good. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been working out. It's been working out really well. Um, I have to say there's one thing I was going to mention on, on staffing, and I, I think this is going to be uh, an overall uh, experience that staff, there was turnover. People uh, were disquieted by this, and people made decisions that were uh, life-changing life during and after this. But the thing I was going to say is that there's nothing that sharpens the mind to uh, how well or how poorly a, an employee performs as not having any money coming in and still paying that employee. So yeah. we had two employees that we did terminate uh, around the time of this and we were we were carrying them on and at the at the at the onset of this I, I said well you know they're they're doing an okay job and then as time went on I said you know what they're not pulling their weight and they need to go and we can't we don't have an alternative but to terminate them. That was the one that I let go also. I, I paid, I, on the day that I closed, March 13th, I think it was, I, I sat everybody down. I did Botox for anybody who wanted it or any treatment they got on the way out. So we closed the office. I just tweeted them to anything they wanted. And I, I told them that I was committed to paying them throughout. I thought we'd be able to open May 1st, but it turns out it wasn't until June 8th. But I said, as long as this went on, I would pay them. And, um, and most of them were grateful and worked really hard every day from home. We built our website. We, um, we did our newsletters every week. We did so much stuff from home. And I didn't need to tell them anything. They were on top of everything, answering all the emails, checking the messages. Um, one went in one day a week to do order fulfillment for products. They were amazing, except for one who was happy to take the money, but was so ungrateful and rude and, um, and, and everybody else was, what I loved the most was that everybody else was like, we can't even look at her. And so, um, so I let her go. Yeah, and especially at this time, that's really important. So Joel, how you been? When did you start working, working? You always were working, but when did you get back more than that? I work very hard. So, um, so we had a governor's executive order until April 26th. And then we went back to the office on April 27th. And at that point, we really started clearing a lot of skin cancers. So for the first few weeks, I really just did skin cancer. And now it's been about, about three, four weeks where people are coming in in general for other procedures. And I'm actually surprised at, you know, how interested people are at doing cosmetic procedures. I think, you know, that's, the what, Steve said. that's what Steve said. 
the psychologic aspect of this is is so huge. You know, Steve's written about it. Uh, I did a Disport article last year about the psychologic impact of this, and Sue Allen Cox has over the years. But you know, even if somebody's wearing a mask, the neuromodulators and the glabella, crow's feet, and forehead are important. Um, when people um, are on Zoom conferences and things like that, I think the pre-jowl sulcus is a very you know significant area where many people are coming in and they're saying, "I'm on a call." And I just want to do this. And you know, for those people, honestly, I think that we can really help by doing some jawline contouring. And, and that's pretty big right now. But I'm also surprised at the number of people that want to do downtime procedures like resurfacing. Albeit some of these people just want to do their upper face and keep their mask on. Uh, but some people are actually doing full face resurfacing as well. Even if you're doing the upper face, how do you keep your mask? You still need to see the full face to treat the face. You know, I've had a number of people where I've just done so a combination of ablative, fractional, and then full field ablative, and I just blend in in the lateral canthus area, and that's it. They want to keep their mask on, we and and you know we we do that, and I'm just treating down to here. You know, for some of these people, they do neuromodulators a week or so before, and then we really go after the significant etching in the forehead, and I think that that's a reasonable area for some of these people to be treated. I want to comment on something Joel just mentioned about the psychological aspect. We have a protocol going through IRB right now to look at patients who are, who've had, who are Botox users who haven't had it in six months, and we're going to test and see their mood elevation after getting it post-COVID, and we're going to measure that against a placebo group. Because I, 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 my impressions are that people really want their Botox, and it's really making them feel a lot better about themselves. So we're actually going to evaluate the impact of Botox post-COVID on patients' mood. And Mark Nestor, Mark's not... Mark's not on this call, but Mark just submitted a paper to our journal on um, on mass and botulinum toxins and the, the the wellness aspect that he talked about last time. It, it's a it's a fascinating read um, of, of of how people, you know. So we're going to hopefully have that online by next week. Yeah, there's a huge demand for Botox. You are. We're going to have that online by next week. So, all right, Amy, so tell, tell us a little bit about your world. When did you get back in, war, in the world or are you still not working yet? No, I started, two, I, I started two weeks ago. Um, okay. My office never closed. So I have a lot of younger people. They worked four hours a day for emergencies only in like April. Then in May, came back at like a limited capacity. Now in June, we're like, like kind of 50 it's, we're 50%, but I think we're really more. But like the weirdest thing is in June, I tell you, we're hitting our regular numbers. Yeah, that's what I said too, same thing. We're hitting our numbers for our budget, our normal budget, not a 30% budget, not a 50% budget. We hit like 35% in May. Now we're like back, we're like back. That's so Same here, same here. So yeah. great. I mean, all of us are surprised by that. All of our modeling didn't point to that. We're actually, no. we're not hitting the numbers specifically because we're not scheduling patients in the same right. slots. So we've, we've actually pretty much doubled our slots so that patients can be called in from the parking lot. Most patients don't really want to take the elevator. So it's only up one floor, um, but we're accounting for that. Then they have to be screened with the temperature and the questions. So you know, from a standpoint, I'm, I'm grateful things are busy, but we're not seeing 
um, we're not allowing a full schedule of patients the way we used to do it. Same here. We actually are, we are letting people into our into our reception area waiting room. So we see 50 in our waiting room. And so basically I've taken four corners. Nobody's allowed to sit. So it's like a group of, you know, they come, a lot of my patients come family of the, the kids or the whatever, because I do the general dorm too. And so they, if they come, they have to sit in a corner. And so that they're, they're, they're like 15 feet apart. So nobody, and, and the amount of time they spend there is less than five minutes if, we, if we're, you know, because again, we, I have a lot of exam rooms on, the, on, on my med derm side, so we're able to do that. On the cosmetic side, like you guys, it's one patient at a time and that's all we're doing. Um, you know, but they also don't, they don't sit outside. They just, they come in, they go right to their exam room. And I know you can I'm we have everybody saying, texting, yeah. texting that they're here and we let them sit in their car until it's ready. Mm -hmm. I have to say that but, we are running on time for a change, which is yeah, so absolutely late. So late. shocking. Yeah. It's like COVID, nothing but COVID could make us on time. <laughs> yeah, in fact, so much so that my, we were planning on going back to full strength July, but my manager told me, look, you're on target for your numbers. We're gonna keep you a little bit less booked because I have a tendency to add things on anyway. And like, it gives you more time with the patient. And plus everybody's ecstatic that I'm running on time. It's fun. It, it's great. Now I have to say there's one other thing, which is the no-shows are, we are super serious about people who no-show unless they have a good excuse. If they call us and they say, I'm running a temperature, I'm concerned about COVID, yeah, stay away from us. But if they say, you know, I just decided that I was going to go to work or I had a, I had a decision that I, I might reschedule for next week, we are telling them, you don't get back in for at least another month. You're going to have to uh, prepay for that visit because right now we are so overly uh, right. needing to get in people that it's, right. it's just precious to get people in and yeah. so we're doing it we're doing just like that so may in may we said if you don't show a part of the script that they on their confirming all the patients it was basically if you don't come to your appointment and you don't call or whatever we won't reschedule it to july in june i took that to august and in july i'll take that to september so we're putting a my no-show rates have gone like this you still have a few but we're not rescheduling them so um but we charge know. we charge for no-shows and we're really strict about it and it was hard to implement but now we don't get any no-shows but you're you, for cosmetic or general or med derm anything then they and med derm you can do that with the insurance companies you don't take yeah. insurance Okay. You just tell them they have to pay $25 and so people, people what's, just... What's the rate of people actually paying those no-show fees? I just, I'm curious. Okay, well, so I went through this whole thing with my I have a billing person who's really good. And so for a while, she was like, I, we weren't collecting. This was a couple of years ago. And I was like, look, you have to collect these. And she goes, I just don't want to call people and tell them that they have to pay for the fact that they didn't show. And so we talked to her over a few months and basically said, this is part of your job, you have to do it. And so finally she did it. Finally she got used to it. And now it's kind of like, we give everybody like one mulligan. So the first time, like even if they're late by 15 minutes, it's up to the provider to see them or not. 
I, I almost never turn anybody away, but for a no-show or a let, we make them, they have to cancel a medical visit within 24 hours or a cosmetic visit within 72 hours. And that's, I think, 50 or $75 for the cosmetic visit. And then, you know, if they no-show or don't show up for like something like a CO2, they're out. They're like, okay, you know, if you want this ever again, you're going to pay in advance. And if you don't show up, you're going to lose your 100%. But all we did was crack down. And some people complained. And some people said, I'm going to another practice. This is ridiculous. And we're like, fine. Yeah, and that's, that's it. Good. And now we just got over the hump. You just have to get over the hump. Steve, are you having anybody no show? Before a procedure. So like, Steve, don't you have 100% collection before you do a surgery? Yeah, they prepay before a surgery and we have people prepaying for some of their procedures also for Botox and fillers. So we our no show rates been surprisingly low. I haven't had any no shows, but right now I'm two weeks open. Nobody's going to not show. They're too excited to come in. Um, but I for my bigger things like the thermage, the all therapies, if I'm doing a full face CO2, I have my patients prepay for those and they have their time if they don't do it and they don't show and they don't call, they, then they're out. Um, because you, you can't not, can you imagine someone not showing up for their facelift after you put the time aside? It's, it's not any different, but no. I think that's on us, not on our patients, that we have to set those expectations. We call them, we go through all the protocols, what we expect, and they have to show up for those things that we put time aside for. Honestly, Absolutely. we've had a hard time really collecting on some of the no-show fees for, you know, same with facelifts. From, from a Mo's perspective, these patients are you know, slotted for three to five hours with me. And, you know, we still have people that no show from a cosmetic standpoint, it's much more clear. But, you know, if you look into the number of people, we put the reason why people cancel. And we have, you know, patients, I agree, sometimes things happen, somebody's kid is sick, they're sick, they can't come in. But, you know, I had one patient over the years who had three flat tire excuses. I mean, at some point, if people keep giving the same excuse, you stop believing it. Yeah, my dog ate the homework. There you go. Well, All right, so I have, I, have a, I have a question I want to ask everybody. So, oh wait, I just want to say one last yeah. thing. So we, we went over to like, we don't allow anybody in who doesn't have a credit card on file. So that's how we do it. We just charge a credit card and my, my billing person sends them an email basically saying blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she gets some pushback, but not as much as before where we actually tried to collect it. And you so know that was feeding bad will that, you know, for that $25, you have bad will. Oh, well, they don't have any respect for our time or our practice. Let them go see somebody else. You've got a limited amount of time and a little bit of limited amount of patients. I'm getting less and less patient with, you know, putting up with people's stuff. Yeah. We gave the money to charity, the cancellation fee. And then in that way, and then we'd send them a note saying, well, your money went to, to charity. And that way it wasn't creating bad will, but it kept them more. Oh, that's sweet. I like that. We did that for that a decade sweet. with Children's Hospital. We really honestly did that for a decade. And it was very difficult to translate into capturing any of those collections. All right, so here's my next question. What procedures, if any, are you not doing at this point, cosmetically? So that, you know, Steve, I'll start with you. So obviously you're doing surgical facelifts, nose, nose, you know, that and everything else. Is there anything you won't do at this point? 
I'm doing everything I did in the past. What I'm surprised about is how many patients are coming in and they don't seem to have much concern. I wonder if you guys are seeing that too, but I have to encourage them to put their mask on. I've had patients come in who were post-COVID, had family that was COVID, and they're like very lackadaisical about it, much more so than I ever thought. Sometimes their mask falls off when I'm putting, when I'm doing fillers and they just don't seem to care. And uh, I don't know, it's just very interesting, but we're, we're back to doing everything. We try to do our best to reduce exposure but it's nearly impossible to reduce all the exposure it's just right. really doris are you doing everything i'm doing everything and i will say that i haven't had one patient come in without a mask on or be lackadaisical i'm early in it and i'm in new york so the mentality here may be different people mm -hmm. just got out of lockdown we're happy to be out of lockdown we don't want to go back into it so there's very strong sense here of I will wear my mask the whole time. And even when I say you can take the mask off because I'm now going to do the treatment, they're like, are you sure? Yeah. Like they're like, they're more worried about me and about taking the mask off and hurting me. Um, That's so nice. So yeah, so here it's been, it's been, there's no COVID attitude. Brooke, Brooke uh, Jackson called it COVID attitude, COVID attitude. Um, so I don't have any of that here at all. People are so grateful to have the masks on. I even carry some masks. They want to buy them. We tell them when they come in that they need to wear a mask at all times while they're in the practice and there's signs everywhere. But half the time what happens is they leave their mask on when their history is being taken. Then you walk in and their mask is off. They're looking at their phone. And I'm like, could you please put their mask back? Could you please put your mask back on? They're like, okay. But like, I think I'm gonna have to start having everybody tell them because what they don't understand is like, while they're sitting there breathing, their stuff is going into the air that I have to, you know, that we have to breathe in. So yes, we had, or people's masks are falling down, you know, or they have a piece of crap mask that's like barely there. More um, like a bandana. A bandana, a lot of people have that. And then like you're doing a body check and I say, okay. Aaron, I'll send everybody one of these. Very nice. <laughs> nice. So, if you, get, so nice. If, if you get Botox, if you get a toxin or filler or a cosmetic procedure, we give you one. And then like my 70 and 80 year old patients that come in, everybody gets one. They, they see my stick. going to rob a bank with that and they're going to think it was your office. <laughs> so I have, I've seen them in, around town and I'm like thrilled to see them. So that's good. That's so, so, very smart. So, so Amy, are, are you doing every procedure? Yes, I am. But we're requiring anything that requires mask off for more than 10 minutes or brief, they have to get a COVID test in order to be seen. Joel Schlesinger, are you doing everything? Yes, um, we are trying to keep our, our kiddos, our teenagers on telemedicine for the time being because we, we just want to decrease the uh, level of, uh, of crowdedness in the office. And what I have to, what I am seeing is that initially telemedicine was kind of embraced and, and enjoyed. Now we're getting a lot of no-shows on telemedicine, people that are refusing to do it. It's really unfortunate because it could really help us to keep people out of the office. Mm. That is so, it's so strange. Why would you not? I agree with you 100%. Well, why, why would you not want to do it? Because they prepay my telemedicine when they make the appointment, they pay for the telemedicine. And we do that in between the other appointments. So they always show up. Mm. And they're, they're so, they're, I don't know. I, I just, right now, everybody's so happy to be just connected at all that right. I, just 
only pure gratitude on my end. Joe, Joe Cohen, are you doing everything? You know, I am doing everything. You know, I, honestly, I, I started first doing Moe's for the first few weeks alone. And that really led to, you know, people taking off their masks. I have to do nasal reconstruction, filtrum reconstruction, lip reconstruction. And, and we have HEPA filters in, in rooms. So we have 18 rooms at our main office, which is where I am. And we, we actually have multiple smoke evacuators. So whenever we're in a room doing surgery and doing electrocoagulation, we have a second assistant in there with the smoke evac the entire time. Um, and I think that, that that's helpful. You know, in terms of masks, we're wearing KN95 or N95 masks, depending on availability, but those are, those are similar. Um, and then we, we wear like a laser mask over that uh, in terms of some extra filtration. And, and really at this point, I'm doing resurfacing, same thing with the smoke vac, you know, the entire yeah. time. And, and the injectables, you know, I'm surprised that even the lip, the lip fillers are busy. The lip fillers are actually quite, quite big right now. And if we look at the areas that we're filling most of, I would say it's the marionette and the, and the jowl area, as well as the lips. And these are things that people really see on these webinars right now. So yeah, I think this is important to people and it really makes people feel better about themselves. So it's, it's interesting here in Nashville, like, so it's interesting here in Nashville, like my estheticians who do facials all day long, they're not still not allowed to do facials. There's no, there's not allowed to be anybody rubbing. So even like when we do hydrofacials, there's a cleansing part, there's a cleansing part. And so we actually tell the patients they have to go up to the sink and clean their own skin. Um, so my estheticians are like dying to get back into doing facials and our health department won't let them do it. Yet we do the fillers and toxins. And yesterday I did a, a one halo and one microneedling, um, but it was, it was just the first time we had done it. And I told my staff that we'll probably get back to doing ablative type of things and needling type of things in about a week or two. Um, I haven't done that, but we've done everything else, laser and everything else wise. Um, just sort of, just haven't pushed the button to do that yet. Um, Don't you think it's interesting how many people want lip fillers when mm -hmm. they're wearing masks? I'm amazed that that's like been such a popular request even though people have masks, which makes me think maybe they're not wearing masks as much as we think. <laughs> I think, you know, it's an interesting time in terms of downtime where patients really do have the availability to do that. There's a lot of patients I've seen who have indicated specifically that they're not going back to work until 2021 and that they do have the downtime. So whether they're an attorney or That's whether true. they work in the business world, you know, now is their time to do it. And my wife and I were hiking this morning with a patient uh, and her husband, and they have three kids. All three of their kids are actually getting married next summer. They've all postponed weddings so that they can hopefully have people at their weddings and they've shuffled their deposit and their photographer and everything. So if they have three weddings next summer, she said, you know, I really want to look my best for next summer. And, you know, I think that that's something that's, that's common. People are really shuffling things back, whether it's weddings or bar mitzvahs. They're just pushing everything back to when ideally they can have uh, a lot of people there and, and celebrate that the way that they have always dreamed of doing it and planned on doing it. And they want to do these resurfacing procedures now. And it's also they're gonna be, meetings because they're on a lot of Zoom calls. So I think it's also that they're, they are being seen. It's just, it's like us now. We just published right. a paper this week looking at uh, patients who get Zoom, Zoom and we did a survey, I did it with one of the residents, showing that patients who do Zoom, 40% of them who have never had cosmetic treatments are now thinking about getting cosmetic treatments because of the appearance of their face on Zoom, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, yeah. it's, it's like the selfie world all over again, you know, but. Yeah, Zoom doesn't do people any favors. That's sad.
<laughs> I want to ask a question about specifically consent forms. So, you know, for, for many people, they're still doing iPad consents. We are very, very diligent. We have patients use hand sanitizer before the consent, then hand sanitizer after, and then we wipe down literally in front of them, you know, the iPad. But I just want to hear what everybody else is doing. Some people are still doing just handwritten consents, which I think enter a little bit of an issue in terms of somebody has to scan that, it has to go into the right chart. There's some, there's a labyrinth of potential pitfalls in that where I think the iPad one works better and there's ways to do it where we feel comfortable touching it. We're so we're doing, we're, doing all, we're doing it all by hand. So we haven't changed that part of our office, um, but everybody gets a pen and they get to keep that pen. Okay, we're so we don't, want, we don't want to touch their pens. We're giving people gloves if they have to sign the iPad and then they just take the glove off. We went all to the automatic, to the, what's it? I forget, you know how you, docu, what DocuSign? DocuSign. We just went all to DocuSign. And one thing that's been nice, and I think we're gonna do this in the future is, instead of having patients, like for fellow appointments, a lot of times people will come in and they'll be like, yeah, they were there nine months ago and they're like, well, I don't know what I wanna do. What do you think I should do? And then it's kind of like, blah, 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 blah. By the time you finish talking to them, it could be 10 or 20 minutes, the, the, the appointment's already gone. So now we're having them do like a little brief televisit, tele mini consult the week before. And we're doing, we're getting everything like their quotes and everything through DocuSign. So they don't have to touch a thing when they come. Plus we already know what we're gonna do, which really allows me to stay more on time when I'm doing fillers, which has kind of been good. So my medical software, my EHR, and also I have TouchMD has all the documents and so we email them ahead. And then if they haven't signed every, any, if we add something or they didn't sign that consent, we can send it to their iPhone. If they download the TouchMD uh, app, they get the consent on their phone and they can sign it on their phone and it goes right into their file in the office. So we're doing completely touchless. Everything is filled out before they come in if they have to fill something out, it goes to their iPhone and it's done there. So, exactly. And patients love it. That's something that I think has been a plus that patients are getting used to now is filling out the forms ahead of time. And it's going to make that's something that is so much easier because now my staff doesn't have to fill out that information in the office. That's so much less work administratively for my staff. And we have that capability on our on our in our website. They can get into the yeah, forms. On my website, yes. I wanted to address one other thing, and that is just that as we go on, you alluded to this, I believe it was uh, Michael, about the people who were COVID positive who come in, or people who call you and drop a, drop a bomb on you two, two days, three days later, oh, by the way, I just had a COVID test and I'm positive. And I think we're going to have more and more the of that. test or COVID? Pardon the antibody test, meaning that they had no, just so that they're actively COVID. So we had a person who came in and uh, was was there to draw some blood for one of the uh, biologics. And he calls us back three, four days later, said, oh my gosh, I just got diagnosed, I have COVID. So it was a real dilemma because the, the nurse that took care of him was pregnant. Uh, we were all up in arms, but luckily nobody got it. This was about a month ago. It was, it, we were extraordinarily fortunate. 
but I think we're going to have more and more of these close calls or real calls that happen with our staff having either getting COVID or being exposed to it. So how have you guys dealt with that? So when we, well, weren't, you... seeing a lot, when we weren't seeing a lot of patients, I had a few nurses that were exposed to somebody who was positive. I kept them home for 14 days. I don't know if we have to do that anymore. I think it's 48 hours or something like that. You should probably watch them. Um, there are some recommendations out there, but I haven't it's, come up with that. They have to, well, if they're really exposed, like in their family, like they live with somebody, then I would wait probably at least 10 days and get them to have a COVID test. But if you're talking about a casual exposure, like what you're talking about is a fairly minimal exposure if both people are masked, that's considered a fairly minimal exposure, like low risk, and you just monitor it. Whereas if you're around somebody, a lot like in a household and you're not masked then that's a huge exposure and that would be different i like i have one employee who's first her sister got it then our mother got it then her father got it now her brother got it and we're like you can't come back until everybody's everybody's, <laughs> everybody's has a negative test and you have a negative test because there's no way i think there, um, there's, even there's a lot of confusion among patients in terms of you know, when they say they've had a test and they've had it before. So first, as, as Doris indicated, we need to screen out the people who are acutely affected versus the people who think with the non-specific antibody tests that currently exist before the specific ones are more readily available, you know, how many people actually have it. So when, when you have your specific questions for your staff to ask, it has to be really tailored to, you know, have you had COVID? And when, when did you have it? And so what type of test did you have? Did you have the acute or did you have the antibody test? We've implemented that into our discussion right now. And then secondly, you know, we, we do take care of a number of physicians, as I'm sure you guys do. And they do identify that they take care of COVID patients. And many of these people actually said that they think that they've had COVID before and the tests are really nonspecific at this point. Um, and the antibody test came back negative, but they really were quite sure that they had it. And, you know, they come in and I actually, I prefer that these people come in on a day that they're not working, or I prefer that these patients come in on a day that they've, before they come to work. But I do take care of somebody who um, comes in wearing scrubs and I just gave them a phone call ahead of time. And I said, hey, you know, I just want to make sure we all go through this elaborate thing when we go home, we take off our scrubs in the garage and I track through my house in my underwear and I get to the the shower that my wife already has on for me. And I just want to make sure that you're consistent with that and you're not coming into the office and something that you were actually wearing to the hospital. And I think that's reasonable for us to do at this point. Joel, they just bring you voodoo, they just bring you voodoo donuts and you're happy. I want to say one thing um, that I didn't mention. We got, so I don't exactly know how we did this, but we got, we're, we just got this analyzer shipped to us. It's called the Sophia Analyzer from a company called Quidel, Q-U-I-D-E-L, in uh, Ohio. And they've been in the, the flu, you know, swabbing business for a long time. Anyway, they have a COVID test that has an EUA. It's in the nose and it's only, it's not the one from Abbott and it's only takes 15 minutes. So now we'll be able to, like if somebody says at the door, well, hey, I was, I had tested for COVID or whatever two weeks ago, we could actually test them right there or if they're getting fillers. We can tell them you can come in and test and wait, you know. What's the sensitivity and specificity of that test, Amy? I can forward you the information. It's high in the 90s. They all say they're in the 90s. 
So, Did you get that from Henry Schein? Because I think I saw that. I was looking into that. It's from Henry Schein. Yeah. We ordered it. So and our you know pathology I mean? company that we currently use has the ability to actually do that. So, you know, in terms of if we have a staff member, you know, our plant that, that has a fever, our plan is to actually test them right away and then, you know, send them home. Um, we haven't had to do that yet, but, you know, that is something that I think that would be reasonable to incorporate, but we won't get the results in 15 minutes. I think when our path company does it, we get it within, I don't know, 48 hours or something. Yeah, the problem is what we were using. Sorry, what we were using. When you do that, Amy? What? You charge the patient for the test? Well, you can, you can, um, it's billable by insurance. Oh. And the test itself only costs $25. Which $25. test is it, Amy? It's called, well, the company's called Quido. And it's a it's a nasal swab, so it's not it's not for antibody. It's a nasal swab.